Welcome to the Fundraising Leadership Podcast, where we engage in lively and thoughtful conversations with professionals in the nonprofit world. I'm Janice Penning, and I'm here with my partner, Michelle Malloy Dillon. Hi, Michelle. Hey, Janice. Hi, and we're excited to welcome back uh, Kimberly McKenzie, who is joining us for a return visit to the podcast. Um, Kimberly is many things and, a, and, and in an evolution, I would say, in her life and um, is now a co-active coach and the founder and CEO of the intersectionhub.ca. So welcome back, Kimberly. Thank you so much for having me. I this is my favorite podcast and I'm thrilled to join you for this season. So Well, I think it's your second favorite podcast cuz your own podcast should be your favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say that about your own podcast? Yes. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'll visit you and then you come visit me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think we, you know, it's great cuz we do very similar things on our podcast which is trying to have great conversations um in service of of helping the nonprofit sector thrive and change. So, yeah. <laughs> and so we uh, we invited you back. Um, I mean, you're in a different place than the last time we talked to you. And so why don't why don't you kind of give us a little update on where you are? Because you're, as I said, you're in quite an evolution right now. Mm-hmm. Well, last uh, spring, my father was sitting in my backyard with me looking at the garden and he turned to me and he said, why don't you call yourself a fundraiser anymore? I tell everybody that you're a fundraiser. <laughs> I thought, oh, I guess I, I've done a crappy job of updating folks on what it is that I do for money now. And uh, it's not fundraising. I have transitioned into, I, I've drunk the coactive Kool-Aid, I like to say. And <laughs> and through receiving my own coactive coaching um I've transitioned into spending most of my time uh, helping other people be wildly successful through coaching. And I love it. I love, I love it. I I just can't say enough about how humbling and grateful I am for my clients who include me into some, they invite me into some dark corners and then we shine some light on it and then they're not so dark anymore. And they are starting to see hope and abundance and joy and and uh, transformation so that's what i do i yeah. have i have clients in four different countries so it's a global practice and i get to do it from my home office here in barry ontario and i walk my puppies three times a day so i was going to say and you have two new puppies <laughs> since yeah. the last time we talked to you and uh, right. if you're listening in toronto many people got to meet them at a recent picnic that we were all at so your puppies mm-hmm. uh, and they have their own instagram accounts right they're very yes. <laughs> they're very famous they're very famous instagram puppies <laughs> and and did you put did you put the link to their social in my bio in that article you did thank you so everybody go follow my puppies of them. <laughs> so, yeah, so we um we wanted to talk today about you wrote a blog post for us called Emergence: How a Fundraiser Lost and Found Her Smile. Um I was curious about like what the why emergence? Why did you choose that word? Because one of the questions I start my sessions with my clients is who are you becoming today? How are you emerging? And and I love the thought of us emerging because we are always 
shedding our skin and evolving into something else. That's part of human nature is growing and evolving and just continuing to um, emerge in new and different ways. And certainly that's what the last year has been for me is um, getting to a point now this fall where I'm launching a coaching business and and emerging in the sector as uh, somebody different. I love what you're pointing out, Kimberly, because as human beings, we're always emerging, mm -hmm. right? And um, so often we tell a story about ourselves that we have we have reached this pinnacle, like this is who we are. We've spent all of these years get, gaining this expertise mm -hmm. as something, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And this is who I am and my identity in the world. Mm -hmm. And we're not only that, we're lots of other things and we're always emerging into a new phase of that or perhaps something else, right? And those stories that we carry with ourselves can be very powerful and make those emerging moments more difficult than they need to be. I know I, I certainly had, I emerged from a 25-year career as a professional photographer and then went into coaching, which filled my, fulfilled my values in many ways, many similar ways, many different ways. But boy, did I beat myself up during that transition. <laughs> <laughs> did you? Tell me about that. <laughs> Let's talk about that instead. <laughs> well, this word emerging is like yeah. emergence. It's, it's, yeah. it's an important word to, uh, to sort of hold. I, lo I love your definition of it and how you work with your clients around that. Yeah, it's coming up from what you just said, Kimberly, about, you know, your dad saying that, like, I, I still like, what are you doing? I still call you a fundraiser. I remember actually my parents going through a same similar thing when I switched from fundraising consulting, just like Kimberly to coaching. And so there's something that that I didn't even think about when I read the blog about, because, you know, the blog is really Kimberly sharing her story of a long journey. I mean, a really long um not not linear kind of story that you share and yes. yeah what no but it, like oh, I think that's important because so a couple of things are coming up for me now which is like the importance of but you know learning from other people's stories but also that like you're saying Michelle it's like internally we might judge the um, like the change externally we're getting not not necessarily judgment just but just confusion or worry from other people in our life as we're making a change and so i think there's something really powerful Kimberly in the way like in telling your story it helps you to like really get it right and like you said you know, I know we know you. So we know, like recently you redid your branding, you did new photos, right? Like there's a way in, in which claiming your story, I can see you now really mm -hmm. stepping into your power of what you're doing. <laughs> that's well, thank you, because that's what it feels like. And yes, a branding photo shoot and putting yourself out there is is really hard to do. Uh there's so many saboteurs that can come in and get in your way of just standing in your truth and your power. Uh, the fact that I didn't lose 20 pounds before I did those pictures, that was huge for me. Um, but I, I wanted to just circle back because the other thing that occurred to me while we were talking was when you think of yourself as a work in progress and constantly emerging into something new, I think that can provide unlimited possibilities for what life could be. So it's those tiny little shifts, but also a perspective of, whoa, I'm standing in this spot 
but I don't have to stand in this spot if this spot doesn't feel resonant. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, you know, well, we we know because all three of us are coaches that we're we are always seeing our clients in in that emerging. And oftentimes people come to a coach when they are in a definite moment of transition. Like I'm transitioning into something new. How do I do it? What who am I being? Who do I who do I want to be? What is it going to be? What are my goals? Right. And there is um there is such a magic that can happen in those times of transition and when we see ourselves as emerging or identify ourselves as having permission to be emerging at any time. Mm-hmm. It, it's a way of how I see it is it's sort of like a loosening of what we're holding tightly onto. Oh, yes. In order to loosen it up a little bit. And then we begin to notice other things that are mm-hmm. opportunities that come our way. But the tighter we hold on to, no, this is how it has to be, or this is it, mm-hmm. the harder the it is. Thing, the beautiful thing about coactive clients is a willingness to play in different sandboxes and explore different things. So they may come to, well, I, this has been, my experience has been this. I don't know if it's been yours, but they come with a very specific objective. And then when you kind of tease it apart and explore other things, really the root topic or goal is very different from what they thought it was when they came into the relationship. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And we're all using the word coactive. And just for the benefit of our listeners, coactive coaching is a particular coaching philosophy where we are working with people who are being uh, active in their lives. In other words, what are you doing? What are you accomplishing? What are your goals? Like all of these very real world kind of goals that we can talk about in our concrete and we can prove that we've done, right? And then there's the co part of co-active, which is who are we being in relation to the world around us? What is our experience of our life as we are doing those things and getting those things done? And without a balance between our relationship to the people, to ourselves, to our work and our mission and our values, and a relation to what we're getting done, if there's not a balance there, there's actually dissonance in our life. Mm-hmm. And what we always work with our clients is, what is the perfect balance for you to create resonance mm-hmm. and, and uh, forward momentum in a way that feels fulfilling? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad little... we just recorded that definition because <laughs> I'm still not nearly as good as uh, uh, at explaining it as you are. So thank you for that. <laughs> And we should say that Michelle actually teaches. She is one of the front of the room leaders at the Coactive Institute. So we are lucky yeah. to have, uh, yes, her her brilliance in in this. And you know what what came up to, for me when you were both talking too, and and I'd love you to speak to this, Kimberly, because I think what becomes clear in your post is that you you have known your values, but there have been times, and, and like, if I'm saying this wrong, you correct me, but I my sense was that you've always known your values, but you've been intentional about them at times. There's been an intrinsic motivation around them, and then you've lost touch with them. It's not like you didn't know them, but you've lost touch with them. Does So does that ring true for you? Absolutely, it does. Uh, absolutely. I mean, I think back to that point where I transitioned from, I mean, I was, when my children were babies, I was, uh, I, I guess I, I'm saying it about myself, so I'll, I was, I would call myself a militant 
at-home mother. I was so committed to being at home with my children uh, that it was hard for me to see any other way. And I know now that, so, so the transition to primary income earner was pivotal. So pivotal. So when that transition happened and our values were so clear in our family, we, we looked at, okay, are, am, am I really putting my family first now by transitioning into a primary income earner role? And at that time, we thought that that would be what was best for our family. And then it wasn't. So <laughs> so it they evolve over time, depending on your circumstances and doing that check uh, is critically important. You know, fast forward 20 years to my work as a consultant when it was very externally driven, where it, it, it started to become about maintaining a six-figure income and being in demand. Um, and that was not in alignment with who I am. And so that started to feel the dissonance crept in. And, and it can happen without even knowing, which is why I like to ask folks, because I've experienced it myself, if you look back on this moment in your life, if 20 years from now, you look back right right where you are now, would the memory of it make you smile? And that is just such an easy way. For me, yes, absolutely. Even though there's hard things that happen, but this is, I'm in flow all the time now. And I think back to other periods of my life where I wasn't in flow, but then you correct, you get back in flow. And so it's, I'm making a motion. Actually, I love, I love the, the image of sort of weaving back and forth because that's how life is. It's like yes. we, we unintentionally sort of get away from what's most important to us or what our values are. Mm -hmm. And then if we have a consciousness around what's, what is important, what's most important, we, we can steer back quicker mm -hmm. or toward living our values and, and, and making choices that steer us in that other direction. And it's going to, you're going to go away again. And then it's like, whoop, it's a course correction again. Being human right. is complicated. It's incredibly yeah. complicated. And then it, you know, but what does this have to do with the charitable sector? I think that's the next thing. And what this has to do with the charitable sector is that I think we can work to improve what I would like. My wish would be that we can actually live a resonant, fulfilling, happy, abundant life and do good work in the world. And that's where the sector is broken. The toxicity in workplaces, um, the wage disparity, the, this, this idea that we can work in the charitable sector, but that means we're compromising a livable wage. Uh, all of these things need to change. So, so it, it is, it is relevant. We're not just talking about rainbows and unicorns, but really helping people who work in the sector understand what their values are, why they show up every day, what they need to do to take care of themselves, how to how to how to create workplaces that feed your physical and mental health as well as your bank account. These are all things that we need to chip away at and change. And this article isn't about I I worked in some great organizations and overcame some big challenges. Um, I'm proud of my resume for sure, and I'm still friends and serve on a board of directors with two of my former bosses. So, you know, um, 
it's just we've accepted a normal in the sector that I think is unhealthy. And and I really believe that coactive coaching can can help address that. Yeah, I think that's the, the what's really so interesting is it's a, like first of all, you know, like you said like you made choices and it's not like choices were off. It's just like what what what, what was important to you? Like what did you value, right? Like somebody else could have made the same choice and it would have been for them the resonant choice. For you there there were times where the dissonance came in. Mm-hmm. And I think it's yeah, I love what you're saying about like there's t- to me, there's one of the things that I love about coaching is really helping people see like what is important to them and the choices they want to make. But then if we don't actually systemically like address what's happening in the sector, where is there to go? Right. Like it's sort of like sometimes I if clients are in trans career transition, there's almost like this worry like, well, are you know, are am I going to find somewhere that like actually does offer what I want to do. It's, so I think it's like there's a call here for people to like think about what's important to them and how they can how they can affect change. But then at the same time, it's like one individual person can't change an organization, right? So uh, there's a well, way. That's true. That's true, maybe. But I think I'll challenge you because I, I I do think one individual person can change the people around them, and then those people can change people around them, and and so. I hear what you're saying, um, but I'm getting distracted by another thought. And the distracting thought is that we have to also acknowledge the privilege. You know, I'm only sitting where I am now because I had the freedom to take time off and not worry about food, clothing and shelter. So and I acknowledge that. And that's one of the things that I would like to also change. And I don't know if this is going to be controversial with both of you, but I would also like to see coaching accessible to mid and entry level positions. I I really would because yeah. So, so coaching is a privilege. Getting coached is a privilege. Living a resident life and making some of these changes is also a privilege depending on where you are in the organization and I mean, let's say it, what color your skin is. So um, we also need to acknowledge that, that some of these things are harder for other people. Yeah, I, 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 I'm going to speak for myself, but I think Michelle's aligned. Like for us, a big part of what we try and do too is help organizations create a coaching culture, which doesn't mean like everybody's going to coaching school and becoming a coach. It means there's a stand for curiosity, you know, for not, not judging, like for, you know, holding accountability and building trust, but without being in judgment of each other. Um, so yes, for sure. Like, I think there's, uh, you know, a need for organizations to have some people who are trained and have coaching skills, you know, so that it can scale, right? Because, and it's similar to like having a mentoring program, you know, in my opinion, like there's no reason that organizations can't be creating a culture where everybody's being supported to think about their values, you know, to, uh, to feel safe, to actually challenge the way that things are being done, to feel like they have trust within their organizations this doesn't, yeah, it doesn't have to be like so complicated or so expensive that it actually can't be done within within nonprofit organizations. That's a beautiful point. That's a beautiful point, Janice, because actually it's 
mind-numbing how really simple it is. Well, and the impact of coaching is really lifting people up. Hmm. It's empowering others mm-hmm. in your organization. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I would like to speak to the um, you know, the place of privilege that you were mentioning, Kimberly. And, you know, so many people in nonprofits do come from a place of privilege because, like you said, we have a roof over our heads. We can actually do this kind of a job. And it also comes from a a sense of values that are important, personal values that are important. You know, I want to work in an organization that has a mission that I align with. Like it comes from such a good place. Mm-hmm. And by throwing ourselves under the bus, whether it be economically or the imbalance of our work-life balance or our health or whatever that is, Mm -hmm. in order to fulfill the mission of an organization that we truly believe in, that's not going to be beneficial to to people that need the help. It absolutely will not. So there needs to be this balance of health and wellness for mm -hmm. people working in the sector. In order to do the good work. And we keep talking about that. I mean, we don't we we see it. I think there is a there is a shift happening. People are understanding that. And that is one thing that this all the changes of this pandemic have taught us is that we do not need to compromise our physical and mental health and turn ourselves into a pretzel at the expense of our families to keep a job. We don't have to do that anymore. There are lots of different ways of doing it. And uh, I think many people in the world are assessing what that means for them. And organizations are changing as well. So Yeah. yeah. Well, the I mean, I general- will say, yeah, it does worry me a little bit that I, like, and you, you and I know many people in this boat, Kimberly, and I've said this to them, like, there's great people who are leaving the sector and I totally mm-hmm. understand because, you know, mm-hmm. the burnout is real. And at the same time, you know, my I have worries for the sector, right? Like when you see great people kind of stepping away to do other things. Um, yeah, it's sort of it, it, it in uh, on the one hand, I'm like so excited for them. And then the other hand, I'm thinking like, I wish that we could be doing the work now within these organizations so that they actually felt like they could stay and create the life that they want for themselves and their families and also, you know, make the change within. But that's, that's been a real struggle. I, I wish the same for the sector, but until the sector deserves to keep those great people, (laughs) it won't happen, you know, and, and we're, we're painting with pretty broad brushstrokes here, but um, there are organizations that are, that are, evolving and emerging into this new normal with a new way of working um and yet and and yet there's there's a lot that needs to be done the whole sector is an emergence kimberly back to emergence it's absolutely true absolutely true yeah yeah and that's why you know i i like i said at the beginning like i think you know I love that you were willing to share your story, Kimberly, and really be like real about it. Like it wasn't just like, oh, like something happened and then I realized my values and everything's perfect, right? It's been like, there's been times it's flowed. There's been times it hasn't flowed. I've gone backwards, I've gone forwards. And I think that 
um, as much as it's your story, it, it invites other people to kind of reflect and say, like, where have I been? Where am I now? Where am I going? And mm-hmm. I, I love that you challenged me on that, right? Like, it's like once one person within an organization starts to do that, then there is a ripple effect. I, I you know, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I think sometimes <laughs> I get in this place of like, I believe that so much. And then sometimes I think, oh, we're so doomed. <laughs> such a big problem to solve. I, I think that we have an ab- abundance of possibility if we continue to have conversations like that. And this article wrote itself. This was not the article we discussed. It was not the one I intended to write. It was the one that just needed to be written now. And uh, I don't exactly know why. And it was, I think, one of the things we, many of us might feel, what I felt was that my story was not that spectacular. (laughs) That it wouldn't really be, that it would be egotistical to share it. That... And yet I think about some of my favorite books and their stories just like this one. So this is my truth. And then and then the beautiful thing when you know who you are and where you've come from and what you value and you can just be you, everything gets so much easier. It's just so much easier. And yeah. uh, and I want that for everybody. Well, you know, Kimberly, we always like to give our audience something to try Mm. after our conversations. So, you know, from your experience and your experience as a coach right now, what would you like members of our audience to try out? Well, I would invite them to do the same thing I did, to sit back and reflect and uh, think about what they value and whether the actions that they're taking in life, the things that they're doing every day are in alignment with what they really value in their heart. Take some time to really think about what's important to them and it will be different for everybody. So I'm going to, when, when are we publishing this? Mimosa and I are doing a values workshop at AFP Toronto chapter. I'd love people to come and join us there at Congress in November. And if this isn't live by then. No, this will be up by then. Yeah. Okay. Go ahead and promo it. Okay. Well, it's Tuesday (laughs) afternoon. It's called the Values Compass. And Mimosa Kabir and I are working on a values workshop to help people identify their values and to think about, are they living a resonant, a life in resonance? Uh, Would they look back on this moment and smile? And if not, what do they need to do to change that? And you have some resources that that can help with this task, right? Yeah. So just once again, so that's the AFP Congress in Toronto. And mm. uh, so, people, you know, people can go and look that up if they're going, if they're in Toronto or going, going to be in mm. Toronto for that event. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we do, we have a values uh, worksheet on how to identify your values. And we will put a link to that in the show notes. So it's a, it's a great worksheet for, it just walks you through different ways that you can identify what's important to you. Yeah. And I'd love, I just want to reiterate, um, say the smile question again, Kimberly, I think it's so important. 20 years from now, when you look back on this moment in your life, would the memory of it make you smile? And if it won't, then what do you need to do to get, to get there? There are times when it's hard to smile and that's the other 
your thing about so openly sharing the failure of a marriage, the breakup of a family, the loss of a job. Life can be hard. You can do hard things though, and and you can get your smile back. Yeah. And that's what yeah. I want for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. You know, there's, I, I notice, um, you know, one of the things we do in coactive coaching to help people uncover their values is to ask them to describe like very fulfilling resonant moments in their life. And I'm struck mm-hmm. by how often with clients, it's actually a very challenging time, but they mm-hmm. feel really like this is important, you know, like, um, I think about myself just over the last year, kind of dealing with getting, you know, losing my father, but then also getting my mom into like a really great care home and the stability that that's provided to her. And that wasn't easy, but it's, but it was, it still felt good. Like I still will look back and smile because I know that, that we stepped up my sister and I, and, you know, did what was needed. So I think it's important, like you said, to remember that there's always going to be difficult times in life. But when we're living our values, we can still look back on those times and say, yeah, like I was resilient. I got through it. I showed up. Well, it, and as the matriarch of a family with 10 people, um, eight children and six stepchildren, I see some of the challenges that my kids are going through and how my values have helped me know how to respond to those things. Yeah. So it's important at work and it's important at home and when you have your values so crystal clear that they can provide an anchor during tough times it things aren't so hard then yeah Mm -hmm. decisions come quicker for sure yeah yeah well thank you Kimberly thank you for such a wonderful conversation oh thank you guys and and thank you let me just thank you for being such a big part of my co-active journey uh, Janice dropped the seed years ago and Michelle you and I chatted about it and I just chipped away at it and here we are at, here, like, we are. here we are it's great <laughs> I really appreciate both of you thank you very much um, yes another great person in the co-active family that's right <laughs> This podcast is brought to you by Fundraising Leadership. We provide unique coaching and training programs to grow nonprofit leaders. Please subscribe if you haven't already, and you can find us wherever you listen to podcasts. If you're enjoying the show, you can help us continue to bring thoughtful content with a one-time contribution. This supports our podcast costs and keeps the show ad-free. Make a contribution today using the link in the show notes. Now go put it into practice. Yeah.